It's 5 o'clock in pirate country, and it's time to get pumped up with the P-Man. and hit the road. 94.3 The Game is going to get you home, and the P-Man's not holding back. Yes! Yes! Pirates win! Pirates win! Bring on the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. Holy mackerel! Oh, my goodness! The flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barm filling in for the P-Man. He will be back tomorrow. In the control room, too many cooks in the kitchen, including one cook, Chris Cook, on the ones and twos, Philip the Ref Pilkington, and intern Noah. Unfortunately, it will be his last week, RIP to him. Rest in peace, my friend. A lot going on in the world of sports right now, especially when it comes to the Carolina Panthers. But first, ECU women's basketball released their non-conference schedule and an interesting non-conference schedule, to say the least. Let's start with this typo that said we were hosting UNC. Um, obviously, was not the case. We're hosting UNCW. So I got a little excited there for a bit when I saw that we were hosting UNC in Minji's just for it to be UNCW, which is still okay. We need to get that going, even if it's you know if it's not necessarily basketball, but women's basketball or any other sports. That should be a rivalry across the board for whatever uh, sports UNCW has. Obviously, you can't do it in football, but for basketball, women's basketball, I'm all on board with having. UNCW, a regular thing. It starts off on November 7th in Greenville with South Carolina State, followed by a home game in Minji's Coliseum hosting Wake Forest. That's pretty big. November 10th. That's I, I like that. That's huge. Good for the, uh, the the Lady Pirates there. Followed by UNCW in Greenville in Minji's Coliseum on the 13th. And then they would cap off or two more home games after that, a five-game homestand with High Point on November 16th, and Charleston Southern on the 20th. Then they travel to Charlottesville, Virginia to take on Liberty in the Cavalier Classic, and then they take on Virginia the next day on the 27th in Charlottesville in the Cavalier Classic against Virginia. That's that's big. December 1st, they have George Mason, a stay in Virginia for that. VCU in Greenville on December 4th, Maryland Eastern Shore on December 6th in Greenville, Gardner-Webb in Boiling Springs, North Carolina on December 15th, December 19th, NCANT in Greenville, and then they cap off the non-conference schedule on the road in Hampton, Virginia at Hampton. A lot of home games, a lot of big teams visiting uh, Minji's Coliseum, so des- definitely make sure you show out for our ECU women's team as they have some big-time opponents coming to town. UNCW, you got Wake Forest. I mean, what else do you want here? I mean, there's a lot of solid teams coming through. Definitely check it out. In the meantime, looking at Panthers' joint practice today for the Patriots, first day. And uh, already not off to a great start. It was a practice that had its up and down, ups and downs. Started with Baker Mayfield throwing a 50-yard play-action sale route pass to DJ Moore, Moore for a touchdown. Then at, quickly after that, a fight broke out between Kenny Robinson's safety of the Panthers and wide receiver Kendrick Bourne and fellow wide receiver Christian Wilkerson of the Patriots. Uh, all those players involved have been ejected, but it was a bench-clearing brawl. was not a good look at all. Then, just to make things worse, worse for the Panthers here, starting center, I think an all-pro caliber center, and Bradley Bozeman walked off slowly off the field and then was carted off due to a left ankle injury in an 11-on-11 session. That's definitely a big loss. We've been talking all offseason about how much improved this Panthers offensive line is, and a lot of that was due to Bozeman being added. 
And uh, now we're looking at potentially a very scary injury and a big loss on the offensive line of Bozeman being carted off. We'll keep you updated on that. That just happening a couple of hours ago. And then, speaking of the offensive line, some more breaking news. Iki Aquanu announced as the starter for the Panthers moving forward, according to Matt Rule earlier today in the press conference that was reported by ESPN's David Newton. Um, that This one kind of takes me by surprise a little bit, the fact it was announced this early. I don't know if it's my fault or it's necessarily the media's fault, but it was it was you're hard pressed to find this year if you're trying to keep up with Aquanu in preseason camp, how exactly he was doing. About the most we could get from that was that he was competing with Brady Christensen, and we were being told it was pretty close, and that sometimes uh, we couldn't even tell who really had the upper hand. You couldn't really get a report on that. It was like the Panthers media wasn't even at practice, or the Charlotte media wasn't even at practice. So uh, I definitely have to ask, uh, I have a couple questions when it comes to that. When we talk to Jim Zoki here, he'll be a little bit more knowledgeable on how exactly Aquanu is looking. But uh, I'll throw it to you, Philip. That's definitely got to come as a surprise, I would think, especially this early that he's announced as the left tackle moving forward. Yeah, you almost wonder, did something happen that really made this, you know, come about, whether it be an injury somewhere else where they feel like Christensen's going to fill in better, or well, I shouldn't say an injury because we'd know about that, but a guy not performing somewhere else and they're going to move Christensen, or just the fact that Christensen fell off. Because I'm with you, you don't just hand a rookie a job like that when it's been up in the air for as long as it has been. Yeah, and then you think about what the offensive line's looking at now. you got a Quanu at left tackle, Christensen at left guard. At center, you're probably going to have Pat Elfline. At right guard, help me out here. I'm, I'm missing somebody at right guard. Austin Corbett, right? Oh, Corbett, the uh, signee from the Rams, yeah, which is going to be, good I think, is the biggest addition I can't to this believe, offensive yeah, line. I can't believe I forgot all about him. And then right tackle, Taylor Moten. Still looking pretty good. Elf line at center definitely concerns me because he had his issues at center with the Vikings for sure. Uh, definitely don't want that issue coming over here to Carolina, but it's the hands we've been dealt right now. We can't seem to get over the injury bug, especially if it comes to the center position really since the retirement or the last couple of years of Ryan Khalil. I think back to when he was saying he had a neck injury or he woke up and his neck wasn't feeling too good. He couldn't play a couple of games. So then after that, you had, what, Paradis last year dealing with some injuries and Tecklenburg coming in. I mean, it's been ridiculous when it comes to that position. All the more, when you want to point to the offensive line and its struggles and the issues that it's had, uh, you got to bring up injuries as well. Yeah, there's, we've had some guys there that clearly – we're not starting caliber players in the NFL, but we've definitely been dealt with some injuries. And I'm not necessarily saying Paradis at the time was a great center, but uh, he definitely was better than the alternative. And I think he was a solid center, a solid starter. Um, hopefully Bozeman is doing well. That's definitely a guy we want in the mix. And um, I think people undervalue the fact that the center to quarterback relationship is very important. That's something you definitely want to get established in preseason camp or just in practice in general before the season especially when you have a new quarterback and a new center in the play. And uh, that's been all thrown out the window. So uh, I, I, hopefully the offensive line struggles do not continue because of this, but already not looking too good. Just when we had a little bit of hope, they throw this at you. Well, and one of the big reasons that Tyler Larson didn't work out as the center and we brought in Matt Paradis was because of that relationship. Because he had the talent to block – 
and play the center position. It was that pre-snap stuff, the pre-snap reads and the relationship with the quarterback as to why he didn't work out as the starting center for the Carolina Panthers. Absolutely. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that can come in as a backup and just hit the ground running with a center. I mean, there's not a lot of guys I can think of in general that have pretty much done it and done a smooth job coming in as a backup center. I mean, that 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 relationship between the quarterback and the center is very important, something very undervalued when it comes to football in general and the, the league as a whole, something that definitely needs to be established. We are more from Panthers Radio Networks. Jim Zoki coming up on the other side of this quick time out here on the Patrick Johnson Show. We're not going to break yet. Please don't send in the break. Moving on, a um, couple more news and notes from Panthers uh, joint practice earlier today. J.C. Horn was capped off at 25 plays. Matt Rule said he looked pretty good and practice so far today. Take his word for it. Um, J.C. Horn obviously coming off that foot injury from last year. Did see, I believe he did see limited time in that Commanders game. Didn't really stand out, but he did play a couple plays up. Did he not? Okay, we need to get it. J.C. Horn needs to start getting reps in preseason. This is ridiculous. What is the deal here with J.C. Horn? Another Matt Rule blunder here. The guy is clearly recovered. The guy is recovered. Well, it, there were a lot of guys that didn't play, though. I agree he needs to play and needs to play these next two games, but a lot of guys didn't play. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the list, but it was like 12 guys. A lot of guys that have been here before, though. Guys yeah, that's, been here. that's true. I mean, you're right. Most of them have been here, but Matt still. Has a, or J.C. Horn has a game under his belt. I mean, what what has he proven to be established as a guy that doesn't need to be playing in preseason? Yeah, From all accounts point. we've been hearing, that, that foot is recovered. Yeah, Why are true. we capping him at practice? I mean, just another – This, I, I'd like to defend Matt Rule, but this is another one where it's like this makes absolutely no sense. Gosh, Jesus. J.C. Horn, get him some reps. He needs to play in that game against the Patriots. Calling it right now. Also, Terrace Marshall, wide receiver, also looked really good in camp today, according to all accounts. Uh, got capped off at 25 plays as well. I don't know why. What are we doing here? Why are we capping these guys? It doesn't – we haven't had any reports of Terrace Marshall having some injury issues. Well, he's another guy that didn't even play in the first preseason game. That's a guy that needed to play. I mean, what are we doing here? These are not established guys. We have a lot of moving pieces. Terrace Marshall had, what, 300 receiving yards last year? Supposed to be this badass out of LSU in the second round and did nothing. Supposed to be our answer when it came to red zone threats. And he's just sitting out here and we're treating him like he's, I don't know, DJ Moore or something. No, you're right. I mean, he. it seemed like he was not even a, a vital part of the offense. He was just kind of there. Yeah, he like, was just there. A lot of times, like, if you were Zilstra paying attention, you wouldn't more. see him. Yeah. Brandon Zilser, yeah. was get, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he had more catches. I mean, we're treating these guys like they've been here in the organization and they had success in this league. I'm interested to see what exactly is Matt Rule's philosophy when it comes to this. These are guys that are essentially rookies. Terrace Marshall is essentially a rookie. Same with J.C. Horn. These are guys that need reps in practice and need reps in preseason. There's no excuse. Absolutely no excuse. So, overall, an up-and-down joint practice for the Patriots. A lot of that is on the coach. A lot of it's due to injuries. A fight broke out. People like I, people are making a lot of this fight. Honestly, it happens. Who cares? There's no implications of what's going to happen in that game in preseason. Nobody's going to care. The fight is not going to carry over into that game. It's not going to affect anything. I mean, am I, am I am I wrong here, Philip? That fight does not matter. It looks bad, but overall, it does. You're right. We see videos during joint practices of guys fighting every year, and 
There's going to be joint practices later throughout the week for other teams and joint practices next week, and more fight videos are going to come out. It's just that much testosterone. Those guys fighting for a spot on the team, they're going to fight. It's, it, I mean, it happened to us in high school. We'd fight ourselves. It's, it's football. It happened during before the Super Bowl season within our own team, Cam Newton and Josh Norman. Josh Norman, he's never going to live down. Well, first of all, he got, he got pretty much punked by Derrick Henry, but he also got punked by Cam Newton out of all people. Well, remember Cam or uh, Steve Smith used to fight somebody in practice like every year yeah, back exactly. in the day. Yeah, exactly. Luke Keekley fought somebody in practice. What was it? Fred Moss or whoever that bum wide receiver was that was part of the uh, law firm? Yeah, I think it was Fred Moss. Wrapping it up, I guess this could be a positive depending on what angle you want to take. I'll take it as a positive. Why not? After practice, Matt Rule said Derek Wright, an undrafted Frasian at wide receiver, knows what he's doing. He's getting open, he catches the football. He's the core of what you do at receiver, and he just keep making, keeps making plays. Apparently, he's taking first-team reps with Mayfield, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson. Well, uh, he looked really good during the game the yeah. other day. Yeah. I, I, it's it, it could be spent as a positive or a negative. Look, Terrace Marshall showed me nothing his rookie year. You could blame it on the quarterback play. You could blame it on the offensive line. At the end of the day, when you're a big body, you're supposed to be our answer at the red zone threat. You're supposed to make it happen. You're supposed to make it work. Yeah, no. he didn't make it work. He did not. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe Chris Wright will be that guy. Derek Wright will Derek be that Wright, guy. Whatever. We're learning. Know the guy's name. He looked yeah. good though the other day. Yeah, we'll maybe have to ask Zoki a little bit more on that. Speaking of coming up on the other side, of this quick timeout here on the Patrick Johnson Show, Panthers Radio Network's Jim Zoki, my personal favorite guest, coming up right here on the Tuesday edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagships, 94.3 The Game. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barm filling in for the P-Man. And I'm joined by a very special guest, one of my very favorite guests, Panthers Radio Network's Jim Zoki. Jim, how are you doing, and how's the trip to Foxborough coming along? Uh, I can't tell you. I'm, I'm in Charlotte. <laughs> we'll Still haven't left yet. The broadcast yep. Thursday for the game on Friday, so uh, we're, we're not up there yet. Uh, we're obviously up in Washington for the first pre, uh, preseason game, and uh, we will get there Thursday evening to Foxborough for the game on Friday in the broadcast. Cool, cool, cool. Well, Breaking news out of the Panthers early today. I feel like there was a couple of breaking news tidbits, but Iki Aquanu named the starting left tackle moving forward according to Matt Rule's comments earlier today. It was kind of hard-pressed, and this might be my fault, to find a lot of reports when it comes to Aquanu's development during camp. You see videos against him against a third-string defensive lineman, and I'm like, okay, of course, he should beat that guy. He's a first-rounder. But we do know for sure he and Christensen were battling it out, and it seemed like a decent competition what do you make of this news of Aquano being the starting left tackle? And based on what you've seen and heard in camp so far, was this the right move this early? Um, you, you know, this is why they drafted him, so it makes sense to get him ready and prepared for week one against Cleveland by using this week and the two preseason games that are left uh, to, to work with the ones. I think it's important if you're going to make a decision that you, you do it now with that. And you know, the other thing is Brady Christensen played well by all accounts in the uh, first uh, preseason game in Washington and what he's done in camp. Uh, he's done nothing uh, that uh, should indicate that he couldn't have handled the job to some degree as well. So uh, Christensen and Michael Jordan will compete at left guard. I would think Christensen would be the favorite 
uh, for that one. And then Absolutely. at center, Bradley Bozeman looks like he walked off the field with an ankle injury today. He's battling Pat Elfline for the center spot. So you kind of had three things in flux there. So at least the left tackle one is solidified. Of course, we know on the right side, Austin Corbett and, and Taylor Moten uh, are set to go and that they'll be rock steady. But uh, it, it's good to get some things kind of you know, penciled in so we know who the first group is. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's unfortunate with that Bozeman injury because me and Philip were talking about it earlier. I, people kind of undervalue the center-to-quarterback relationship, especially when you have two guys that are coming from different organizations coming into this franchise and have to really develop that chemistry. That kind of throws a kink in everything. And uh, I guess just a quick question. Are you confident in Elfline's ability to fill in at the center position, or do you think it's a little shaky, a little iffy there? Well, they still, they've still they been actually using him first and then Bozeman second in most wow. of the settings of what they've done, including today. Uh, Elfline was out there with the first group. So I think he's viewed, as far as his as far as his skill set, more suited to center than guard because he's not as big as most traditional guards in this league. So it's probably the best place to use Elfline. And the question would, would Bozeman, with his size, you know, be the guy overall? And, and, we, and I do know this, while Bozeman was carted off the field, they termed it more as like, precautionary so and they didn't elaborate after practice as to what the degree of the injury was so hopefully it's just a minor thing and not a major thing we don't know it doesn't appear to be a major based on any of the preliminary reports from that so hopefully it's nothing that translates into moving into the regular season as far as the injury goes but we'll find we'll find out i guess in the coming days absolutely we hope so we wish him well but uh going back to this joint practice earlier today and matt rule's comments he was very high on the undrafted free agent wide receiver Derek wright who was taking first-team reps with Mayfield, DJ Moore, and Robbie Anderson during a two-minute session earlier today. Uh, just kind of your thoughts on what you've heard about Derek Wright. I know he played in that preseason game and had flashes. Early impressions of Derek Wright. And is it a stretch to say that maybe we could see this guy starting a couple games moving forward in the regular season? I, I think it's just uh, it's crowded at wide receiver. It's, it's really talented. and He got a lot of reps today because Shai Smith was out. And, of course, they really like C.J. Saunders. He's been out for over a week, and he'll be out for a couple more weeks. And these were all guys that are in front of him there. And you know, got Brandon Zilstra looking at this kind of back half of the roster. But that first four is D.J. Moore, Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall, who's a high draft pick, uh, second-round pick last year, Rashard Higgins, who obviously had the touchdown, has played very well coming aboard from Cleveland. I just don't, I don't see where there's room. So I think White would be a candidate for the practice squad is, is what his future probably is because – Andre Roberts will take a receiver spot, and he's going to be the kick yep. and punt returner, 34-year-old veteran guy back there, too. So there's, there's just – I don't see where there's room. It's, it's going to be competition between Shai Smith, Brandon Zilstra, and once C.J. Saunders gets healthy uh, with that, Keith Kirkwood, I would even have higher up uh, the list of, uh, again, backup guys there. So they've done a nice job of really having a lot of depth of that wide receiver spot. That's all right, Jim. I like a good underdog story. I bet you Derek Wright's listening to the show right now, and he's he's taking notes right now. He's going to be like – when he makes it in the Hall of Fame, he's going to be like, Jim Zoki, he counted me out. He said all these guys were going to start over me. Next thing you know, he's in the Hall of Fame. He's going to, he's going to say it in his Hall of Fame speech. Yeah, I hope that happens Yeah, I, I hope it happens for him. <laughs> Shifting over to quarterbacks, based off that preseason game of Washington, I feel like every quarterback showed some positive flashes, and I'm going to exclude Matt Corral from that conversa- conversation just because he was kind of playing with guys who are probably not going to make the team. He showcased some growing pains, and that's expected from a rookie, but – Based on what you've seen, what did you like about Baker and Darnold's performance and what maybe concerned you about their performances when it comes to those two? No, I don't think either one hurt their case. I, you know, I think we're, we're just awaiting the word that Baker Mayfield will be the starting quarterback. I, I think it's his I job agree. to lose 
from the beginning. So I think they were uh, earnest in giving it a, a competition and, and giving both guys. In fact, today they both had reps with the ones in the the, the, uh, the practices. They'll do it again tomorrow, and uh, we'll see which one starts first as far as the next uh, preseason game Friday at New England coming out of these practices. But, you know, Baker, um, I don't think it equates necessarily down to who did better in uh, limited action at Washington. I think you have to really take into evaluation you know, what they've seen overall from training camp, even looking at what they've done their first four years as pros. You know, Baker's body of work you know, seems to give them the best chance to win the first game against Cleveland. And Baker had led a 13-play drive in that game up at Washington. He did have the center exchange thing that happened, but uh, you know the the last thing was an incomplete pass where the receiver ran the wrong route, and so they end up settling for the field goal, but uh, still picked up three third downs, and that's the kind of stuff they're looking at, situational football. Can you do things like two-minute? Can you do third down, red zone, things like that? Mm-hmm. So I think he handled all that well, and he seems to have a really good grasp on Ben McAdoo's offense from what everyone says, including Ben McAdoo himself. And then Sam took advantage of the situation and cashed in with the touchdown with the uh, takeaway in the red zone, which is what you need. You need to come in, and that was a, a really nice pass by Sam, and it's a spot pass where you just go to the back of the end zone, and Richard Higgins ran under it, but it was a you know, perfectly touch pass put in there by Darnold, but then he comes back out with the three and out. But I, yeah, I don't know. Sam would almost have to like score touchdowns every time he touches the football <laughs> to be no, able to absolutely do agree, something yeah. uh, to take the, the, the starting job away from Baker Mayfield, but as we know, it's a long season. It's 17 games, and injuries happen every single day. And uh, we'll see. He may be called upon at some point. But I would, you know, at this point, as we sit here today, I would think once we get through the New England game, I'd be surprised if it's anything other than Baker Mayfield being announced as a starter heading into the third preseason game. I agree, but I'll say this: if previous seasons are any indication, we're definitely used to multiple starters in a season. But Phil, the Ref Pilkington, standing by, season ticket holder, big Panthers fan. Sound off, Philip. What you got for Zoki? Yeah, Jim, I was wondering, that last offensive play that Carolina ran from scrimmage was that third and ten, and they just kind of ran the ball. Do you think that was a strategy to try and get Washington to call their last time out, or were they trying to get Zane Gonzalez a last-minute field goal attempt in the preseason so that when that opportunity comes in the regular season, he's already kind of had one? Because that's something you can't really mimic at practice. Yeah, I think, you know, it's it's all that. I think you're, you're working on situational football. You, I mean, you, they, they said going in, you want to win games, and that matters to them in the preseason for building culture. That's true. But you also get these, you know, again, that's why the joint practice sessions are so good. You can create scenarios as you want uh, with the two teams that are out there. Here you're at the mercy of how the game kind of plays out. So I think it's good to have that, you know, those operations worked on during preseason like this where you come out and have a chance to what turned out to be a game-winning kick with 24 seconds to go to – to seal the victory and get the victory there. So I think for them, it's a matter of just working on different kind of scenarios and situations. And again, you're working with backup players at that point. You know, most of the guys on, in fact, probably almost all the guys on the field at that juncture of the game, either will be released or practice squad guys or be elsewhere in other rosters. So uh, Matt Corral is going to have, uh, I think a chance to do a lot more in these next two preseason games, but he was working behind a line where uh, all of a sudden Washington also wanted to try to win the game. You could tell, Jack Del Real started dialing up all these blitzes they weren't doing earlier in the game, and they just didn't have an answer for that. And that's you know that's fine, you could do that, but most teams go out there and keep it pretty vanilla so they can kind of just get a look at what they've got out there. They really talk about one-on-one matchups, not so much dialing up schematics and things like that in preseason football. Panthers Radio Network's Jim Zoki with us here on the Patrick Johnson. So Jim, wrapping it up from that Panthers Commanders game, who was an under the radar guy who stood out to you and made a great impression in that game, in your opinion? 
You know, someone they talked about going in, and I thought, you know, he carried the workload at running back. It was like someone like Spencer Brown who got a touchdown. He carried it 10 yep. times, which was by far the most of anybody else, 36 yards in there. And, again, the way, you know, Matt Rule said this after the Charlotte practice yesterday, I that he said, you know, we're not looking for, like, he said, fifth cornerback. So you could apply that to, you know, fifth running back or whatever, things like that. Yep. They're looking for core special teams guys that can do all the coverage units and all that and, and be core special teams, quality special teams guys that can play the running back position, that can play cornerback, things like that. And somebody like Spencer Brown, how he's going to make this team is not by being you know the fourth or fifth running back on this team, but by being a good special teams guy, quality special teams guy, that could run the football when needed. Because when you think about it, I mean, it really shouldn't even occur that you get down that far, especially when you got a fullback like Giovanni Ricci available even before that. So I think Spencer Brown did you know, things that would help him in that game. You guys mentioned Derek Wright. And again, it's, it's nothing against him as far as you know that. It's just like it's a small roster. It's fifty-three guys. And, yeah, uh, he's basically vying for one spot with probably five other guys that are ahead of him at this point. But nothing wrong with being a practice squad guy and getting in there and getting to learn all year and, and collecting NFL paychecks. So he helped himself with the three catches, forty-six yards, and then you know the draft pick Amari Barno. He had a hand in both of the takeaways. He uh, recovered the fumble that Corey Littleton forced that set up Sam Darnold at the nineteen-yard line, and then it was his quarterback pressure. That led to the Duke Dawson interception in the game, and you know they've been kind of looking like you know who's going to be that other rotational bend, and he puts himself in that conversation as a rookie of you know could he be one of those first four in the rotation at defensive end? So I thought you know Barno had a really nice showing. He played all four quarters of the preseason game. Boy, is Barno fast, very fast for that defensive end position. I was very impressed. Wrapping it up, one final question for you, Zoke. Moving on to Foxborough, joint practice with the Patriots earlier today. Obviously, there were some issues. Not going to talk much about the fight. It's a fight. It happens in preseason. Don't think there's much to look into there. But looking at this game this Friday, it's going to be do or die for somebody on this team. Somebody's going to get cut afterwards. Or maybe this this game and their performance might be used against them later on when, it time, good, or, or when it's time for the final 53-man roster cuts here. Who has the most to prove in this preseason game against the Patriots, you think? You know, all those guys that we mentioned, I mean, you're at 85, and you got to get to 53. Yep. And so you're probably, in most cases, when you look at guys that are veteran backups and you look at draft picks and so forth, you know, typically when you head in, barring injuries to a training camp, there's something like three positions that are available overall. Yep. So you could do a laundry list of guys. But, they're, 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 you know, that 53-man roster, they've got their whiteboard, and it's going to have probably 50 locked solid guys, and uh, it's, it's really hard to move the, the needle, barring injuries on that because – you, you know who some of the quality backup guys are going to be. If Brady Christensen wins a spot, Michael Jordan's going to be a backup. If, uh, if Pat Elk flies the center, Bradley Bozeman's a backup. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be difficult for a lot of the guys that uh, are, are playing in this game. I think it will be, in this game, a lot of backup players against New England because of the two days of joint practice sessions. The starters are seeing a lot of time over two days of Thursday off. I would anticipate that they'll play, but I don't think they'll play a lot. Uh, in this New England game, I think like when you look at what Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield did, it might be that amount of work once again, just because of what they got out of these uh, joint practice sessions with New England. So we'll get to see a lot of the backup guys out there, see what they can do. You know, somebody like a Tay Hayes who showed up a little bit out of App State. You know, could could he be a, you know, a guy that could you know, somehow get on the roster there as one of the last corners, or are they just training camp guys? It's just it's difficult because there's just so few actual openings that uh, are actually available. Absolutely. Hey, we appreciate it, Jim. Panthers at Patriots this Friday, 7 o'clock. You can hear Jim on the call on our sister station, 1037 WTIB. Jim, safe travels to Foxborough. We appreciate you coming on.
Okay, thank you. Yep, see you, bud. Jim Zoki, Panthers Radio Network. Pleasure to have him here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Let's throw it over to Chris Cook with a 94 through the game sports update. Take it away, Chris. Thank you, Ben. AP preseason top 25 poll is out. Alabama number one, Ohio State two, and Georgia checking in at number three. ECU's opening game opponent, NC State, is ranked number 13 in the poll. In that same poll, Wake Forest is in at number 22. Three other Pirate opponents are also ranked, Cincinnati 23, Houston 24th, and BYU is number 25. The Panthers began joint practice today with the New England Patriots. It wasn't a great start after a fight broke out on the field between Kendrick Bourne of the Patriots and safety Kenny Robertson of the Panthers. Another impressive offensive outing for Greenville's 13 through 15 year old all-star baseball team as they rolled to an 11 to one victory over Rapid City, South Dakota on Monday at the Babe Ruth World Series. Greenville improved to 3-0 and and has outscored its opponents 36-2. Greenville is back at it today against Oregon. That game is still going on currently, and updates from this game can be found on our Twitter at 94.3thegame. Softball Little League World Series in Greenville, Hewitt, Texas, the Southwest champion, scored a run in the seventh inning and held on for a 5-4 victory over Del Mar, Maryland, the Mid-Atlantic champion in Monday's title game. Both Both teams came into the final unbeaten through the first six days of double elimination play. The title game was a one game winner take all contest. In the consolation game, Southeast, the team out of Chesterfield, Virginia, blanked the Philippines 9 to zip. Today's update is brought to you by Team Boneyard. Team Boneyard is an NIL collective that directly supports Pirate student athletes. For more information on how to donate, go to teamboneyard.org. That'll do it for your 94 3 The Game Sports Update. I'm Chris Cook. More of the Patrick Johnson Show on the uh, other side of this timeout. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. On your flagship home of Pirate Basketball, 94.3 The Game. Having chronic... Ben B. Baby Barn back here on the Patrick Johnson Show filling in. And let's get right into today's Pirate Report. Now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Let's get started. Something we normally don't have in the Pirate Report, but I thought it was important to throw in here. Time to pack Johnson Stadium this Thursday as the Pirates take on the number two team in the country in Duke at 7 o'clock. So if you were not aware or if you have nothing going on on a Thursday, I think that's definitely worth the trip. Hey, I wouldn't be surprised if Phillip goes to that one. That sounds right up Philly's out, Phillip's alley right there. Um, quick update, getting a little bit more serious here. Um, with the update on Parker Bird, the ECU baseball commit who was involved in that uh, tragic boating accident, uh, had his 13th surgery early, earlier this morning. According to uh, Mitzi Lee Bird, his mom on Facebook, everything did go well. They're waiting for the area around the uh, amputated leg area to kind of loosen up before they can kind of close things off and have him leave the hospital. Um, they said that they're very thankful for some good news and are hopeful that hopefully seeing some light at the end of this long tunnel. So if you're a religious person or you're uh, the praying type, be sure to keep them in your prayers for sure. Just a, just an awful deal all around, a tragic deal all around. And I, 
keep this in mind, and I have to preface this. Baseball, when it comes to this kid, is no longer important. I don't need to be hearing about, is he going to play baseball or anything about ECU baseball when it comes to this kid. What I'm concerned about is the kid's healthy, he's able to live a normal life, and carry about his business. ECU baseball is not important when it comes to this deal, and people need to stop. They need to stop it. I've seen it on Twitter. I've seen people posting highlight videos with updates on Parker Bird when it comes to ECU baseball. Stop it. It's ignorant. That's not important. We keep him in his pra- in our prayers. Good luck to you, Parker Bird. I'll definitely be keeping you in my prayers. In the meantime, ECU football held a press conference yesterday after practice. We talked. We caught up with the coordinators, Donnie K. Uh, never, uh, never at a loss for words. Uh, always have uh, too many words, I would say. Uh, Blake Harrell, usually a shy guy, he's starting to open up. Donnie K. starting to rub off on him. He was a little uh, he was a little talkative yesterday. Let's get right into it. Let's start with uh, the deal with uh, the guy that we were hearing about yesterday for Mike Houston, who's really been showing up in that inside linebacker room. Taking a look here. Let me get my uh, cut sheet pulled up. Where is it? Here it is, right here. Awesome. Thank you. And let's start with the Kennesaw State transfer, Chance Bates. I thought this was kind of the – if there's anything that was breaking newsworthy from that press conference yesterday, it was definitely the development of Chance Bates, inside linebacker. Obviously has familiarity with Blake Harrell as he previously came from Kennesaw State, played under Blake Harrell, was an all-conference player at Kennesaw State, Chance Bates here, the inside linebacker. It's interesting to see if he would get a shot of guys like Miles Berry, Xavier Smith in that inside linebacker room who have plenty of experience, but apparently he caught Mike Houston's eye and he caught Blake Harrell's eye. Chris, cut two here. Chance has been awesome. Um, You know, obviously I had the opportunity to work with him before, and he was was a special player at Kennesaw and did a lot of good things there. And he's came in, he's an older kid. You know, something to be said for older guys. And and Chance is playing like an older guy right now. He's a fifth year. Uh, Pretty Washington is another guy in that same boat. They're both fifth years. It's nice to be adding Older guys are an already older defense. They can come in. They're ready to play. They don't need a you know a couple ball games under their belt to, to get into it. They already know what it's about, and they've had a lot of snaps on the game. So that's that's uh, a good feeling. Well, it's an uphill battle for Chance Bates here because he's got to deal with some returning players with plenty of experience ahead of him. When I think about guys like Miles Berry and Xavier Smith, like I previously mentioned, Blake Harrell talked about the returning players and their impact on that defense. Cut one, Chris. Yeah, we, we've had some guys leave and, and miss Bruce and those guys that left us want to say, but, you know, we had some really good players that left, but, and Jay Mack. But, you know, the guys that are here, they've been playing. I mean, ever since I, I've been here, Xavier Smith has, has been a starter for us, Miles Berry, Jeremy Lewis, uh, Tegan Wilt, Jairo Wilson. You know, I'm not giving you any new names that you don't already know about. So those are the guys that have been in the system. They've been with us. Uh, I just read a quote by Coach Houston talking about changing the culture, and those guys really have, and they, their core values, and, and, and same thing defensively. You know, what he talks about our program is having to force defensively, and just really proud of those guys. And, and those guys will tell you, like, it's no longer the expectations have changed, the the goal, the standards have changed, and, and they're wanting to take it to the next step. You know, it's not just coaches pushing them, but it's coming from internally, and that, that's really special. Cut six here, Chris. Blake Carroll further talked about the upperclassmen on that defense, specifically their leadership, the leadership they've shown so far to these younger guys. You know, we, we install right now. Some of the install is we're letting our guys install, the older guys. They're going and installing certain coverages, certain pressures, certain fronts. 
and telling the rest of the room, like, hey, here's the coaching points here. And when you can get up in front of, in front of your peers, in front of a, a room, and teach it, that, that's understanding. That's, that's true knowledge of, of the system and of the defense. Shifting over to the offensive side of the ball, my personal favorite, Donnie Kay. Never short on words. Always in a good mood no matter what. Great to see him back in the fold again. He talked about this offense has got some options now. Holton's got some help around him. I don't know if he's talking about the offensive line or weapons, but take it away, Chris. Cut seven. Holton's deal is just the same thing. I probably sound like a broken record. Is he, he has talent around him now, and he doesn't have to go and just win the game by himself. Because what happens by trying to do that, he overdoes things sometimes, and that's when we get burned. We make we make some mistakes. Now he sometimes he pulls that off. Today he pulled one off that nobody knows except me and him. He wasn't supposed to do that, and it worked. Which we do kind of have a saying: if you if you're going to screw up, you better you better damn screw up by making the play, and then we'll we'll fix it after that. But that's that's the thing. Just just take what they give you. We're going to give you enough plays to make good plays. I'm going to put you in that situation enough if you'll just let it come to you. You know, it's just like Saturday he did a good job of this. We started off on our 18-yard line. We're backed up. Okay, now the percentages of driving the ball and scoring in college football when you're, when you're driving it, okay, what is that, 82 yards, uh, is not very high. Okay, the percentage of something's going to get you in there and it's not very high. Uh, the second series, we were on the five-yard line. It's, it's hardly ever does people drive at 95 yards and score. He did a good job of we didn't play really good around him. Had a drop, had another drop, guy got beat, kind of hung in there. The third possession, he took a 75 yards for a touchdown. And was good. Let it come to you. Sometimes you just have to set some things up. The next drive, he drove us all the way down the field. We got to a fourth and two. Coach wanted to go for it. And I probably called a bad place. That was on me. But he did a really – that's why I say he had a, the best scrimmage because he didn't go out there when we didn't move it and just try to make up something and go win. All right, we get the point Wait, I'm on? I'm on? Okay, now I'm on. We appreciate all the info there, Donnie K, but you're running a little long. Let's move on here. Actually, cut 10 here, Chris. When you talk about the whole – or the help around Holt and Ehlers – and uh, potentially helping with the idea of him trying to do too much. He talked about the offensive line, specifically the depth and the options they now have on the offensive line. Take it away, Chris. Justin Red is the other part of that. That's how why we could play Bailey Michaelvick 20 plays is because what we did with Justin Red was we started him at guard, and then we moved him out to tackle, and he's done outstanding. Now, he, he, he would have graded extremely well in the scrimmage. He had three mental errors where he just, you know, he blew an assignment there because he's, he's been here two weeks, you know, he didn't have spring ball or anything like that. But uh, he's going to really help us. So Parker and we actually have four tackles is what I'd say. We only have like four starting tackles right now, which is really good. Now we need to get somebody to step it up. Ben Johnson has shown maybe he could. we, we got to figure out, if he, is he a center or does he need to be the guard? You know, who's the next backup right there? But starting to feel good out the edges. Now we got to get a little better on the inside with depth-wise. Moving on, I think a position battle that really hasn't been talked about, and when you look at this ECU football team, there's not a lot of position battles going in the camp where you say, okay, we're not sh too sure who the starter is going to be. Somebody's going to really have to fight to become the starter here. I think I feel like every spot somewhat solidified with the exception of a couple positions, but we kind of know what the starting 
uh, the starting lineup is going to look like or the starting uh, offense and defense is going to look like for these Pirates. But when you look at the uh, the third string running back spot, who's playing behind Rajay Harris and Keaton Mitchell? There's a lot of unknowns. you got a guy, Marlon Gunn Jr., highly talented freshman, was a big move for them in the offseason, getting him to commit. Joseph McKay, Pop McKay, a guy we've heard great things about in the past from this coaching staff, a guy they've been very high on. Haven't heard much from him since. Is he still in the position or is he still kind of in that spot or that third running back spot? And then you have a guy like Kamaro Edmonds, came from UNC, played at Havelock, big-time running back, sophomore transfer here. That's a guy that's definitely going to be in the running. What is that third-string running back position battle looking like right now in camp? Take it away with cut eight here, Chris. Martin had a good day today, so that was a good day to have him talking about it too. Uh, he probably has, has moved into that third spot, I think, of after today's practice. Uh, Camaro uh, Edmonds, though, has shown some things. Camaro got sick. We had the stomach virus or whatever it was, and a couple of kids were really sick. He happened to be one of those, so he missed about four practices. So I didn't even think he'd get in there Saturday. I didn't think he'd have the energy to go after being out. And he got in there and got about three or four carries. He pounded some some guys that tried to tackle him, caught a ball. So we, we see the talent. He's just so far behind, really not knowing what we're doing. Uh, but Marlon's just, he's a big physical back that's got a little bit of a feel for what the blocking scheme is and knows how. And that's what Raji and, and Keaton do so well. I always swear Keaton ain't running fast. I always go like, but you ain't even running fast. But he is just so like with the tempo of the blocking scheme. He knows how to set those blockers up. And Marlon appears to be that type of guy, but, but a big guy like Raji. Seems like Marlon's the guy early on here, a, a true freshman coming in here for ECU football. It seems like he's just doing the dirty work. The dirty work that a lot of the other guys, it really separates him from the other guys. So that's good to hear. A guy that's got a chip on his shoulder, willing to do the, what it takes to get at least, when I want to say a roster spot, at least get somewhat of some playing time here. Great blocker. I, I love to hear it. Great. I, this is when getting the overabundance of information from Donnie K is very valuable and comes into play. Not to say it's not valuable all the time, but it is especially valuable here. It answers a lot of questions. Wrapping it up with Donnie Kirkpatrick here. He talked about the new receiving core. A lot of departures. Tyler Sneed, Audio Matosho, some big pieces in that wide receiving room. You had guys like Jalen Johnson from Georgia. You got Isaiah Winstead from Toledo. Two big-time transfers. What's that new receiving core looking like around Holton Aylers? Cut 12 here, Chris. They're working hard together. They have a great relationship. All that's going well. Timing, you can see that's not there. There, there are just so many little things that, uh, you know, like with Sneed and then when you had Blake and you had some guys that were returning that Holton is able to do and just check off and make individual, you know, changes. And they don't know all that stuff yet. You know what I'm saying? They're still in that process. So, so it's a little slower right now being able to maybe take advantage of a blitz that, that Holton can see and he's ready to change the play, and then they didn't see the signal, you know, whatever like that. So that's the part we got to work on. Depth of routes, you know, the timing of that is a little bit off, and that, that causes some of those drops because all of a sudden the ball's there a little before they're actually expecting it, or they've run the route a little too short, you know, and that's thrown the thing off, so now the timing's off. So that's what camp is about, and uh, this week, that's been some of the things we've gone over. The offensive meeting last night when I met with the entire offense, we talked about the polish, now getting the consistency, getting that chemistry, 
uh, on this group here this week. That's what we got to do. And so hopefully by Saturday, some of that will look better. Hey, I appreciate the honesty. I mean, most coaches will kind of BSC and tell you everything's going well. Donnie Kay's saying, yeah, there's some growing pains right now with these new receivers coming in, and this offense still needs some work. And you can see it, timing is an issue. So love to hear that from Donnie Kay, and hopefully they get that worked out before the season here, obviously. And I'm sure there's a couple more scrimmages scheduled. We'll keep a close eye on that and give you updates on at 943 the game on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. After every post-practice press conference and after every scrimmage, we have videos from the coaches up there. Stay tuned to that. In the meantime, we'll wrap it up as it's my send-off edition of the Patrick Johnson Show, Ben B. Baby Barham. We'll wrap it up. Send me off to Seattle. On the other side of this, Tom out here on the Patrick Johnson Show. The Pitch. More of the Patrick Johnson Show is your next trip. Check out the great rates offered at AA.com and support your local Pitt Greenville Airport. If you've been injured in an accident and need cash now before your case settles, Oasis Financial can help. Last month, Oasis helped over 3,000 people. Why not you? If you have an attorney, call Oasis Financial today at 877-266-9107. It takes just three minutes to apply. And once you're approved, get $500 to $100,000 of your settlement in as little as 24 hours with no risk to you. That's right. Get $500 to $100,000 within one day. If you lose your case, you don't have to pay Oasis back ever. So call Oasis today to see if you qualify at 877-266-9107. That's 877-266-9107. Better days start today. Get the cash you need with Oasis. Call Oasis today at 877-266-9107. Oasis is currently not providing legal funding in Arkansas, Kansas, Kentucky, Maryland, North Carolina, North Dakota, or West Virginia. And now stunning conclusion of the show it's the p-man here on 94.3 the game wrapping it up here on the patch johnson show ben b baby barham and a special farewell and thank you to our guy intern noah walker here any last words noah a man of a few words. Thank you guys for having me. It's been a blast. I'm uh, I'm taking my talents over to Channel 9 for the next semester. Um, so I'm excited to see how that goes. I appreciate y'all, and we'll never forget 94.3 The Game. There we go. He pulled a whole commitment switch on us. He put the hat on and took it off and threw another shirt on. He pulled a commitment switch on us. I can't believe it. Breaking news when it comes to Team Boneyard. An interesting development here. Team Boneyard just tweeted, excited to work with Tegan Wilk, Shane Calhoun, and what is this other player? They got all these weird Twitter handles. Jaro Wilson, there we go. On a future podcast with our very own Patrick Johnson, and who else but go ahead, Steve, from Hoist the Color, Steven Igo. Interested. Very, very interested. Be sure to follow Boneyard Team on Twitter, at Boneyard Team, the Team Boneyard official Twitter page for more updates and developments on that. Maybe Patrick will fill us in on that tomorrow. This is breaking news to me. Just broke 30 minutes ago. So look forward to that and stay tuned on our Twitter for live updates on that podcast and when it's coming out, what platforms. Meantime, the P-Man will be back tomorrow. He'll be joined by Brian Mole talking about the PGA Tour and Live Golf, all the golf from the summer, of course. In the meantime, I was Ben Barm. You won't see me for another two weeks. I'm going to Seattle. See ya. I'll be back just in time for football season. 
That's going to do it for us here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Have a good one. Pilkington here with your 94.3 The Game Pirate Report brought to you by our pirate partners, Moore's Old Time Barbecue Chicken and Seafood. Bring the whole family for great food. If it's not Moore's, it's less. Caripsy Restaurant in Emerald Isle. Exceptional steak, locally sourced seafood, and delicious signature cocktails. Fantastic Sam's Cut and Color. Eastern North Carolina's Fantastic Sam's are locally owned and operated to make you look great. Pirate football camp has been going pretty good so far, according to Coach Houston, and he talked about a lot of those positives. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've pretty, had pretty high expectations coming into camp, and I think that uh, we've, we've met a lot of those. Um, you know, just standing up here, I think that, uh, you know, the backs are exactly what I said at the first day. I mean, after two days of pads, they're exactly what I expected them to be, you know, going into this year. Um, I think our offensive line had a good day today. Uh, now yesterday they kind of got dotted a little bit in our first kind of competitive, uh, you know, uh, competition situation. You know, run, play, action, pass deal. I mean, the defense. But I mean, I'm telling you, that defense is pretty salty. You know, all those guys are back. They play with an edge to them. A lot of energy. Uh, they like to run and hit. They feed off each other. So uh, it's it's going to be good. I mean, that's why I told him. I said, when we go when we go good on good out there, you're not going against chopped meat over there on the other side of the football. That'll do it for your 94-3 The Game Pirate Report. I'm Philip Pilkington. If you want the best steak in Eastern North Carolina, then remember this name. The Seahorse Steakhouse, 2301A Stantonsburg Road in Greenville. They serve USDA prime ribeyes aged 50 days, cooked to perfection by